to an episode of Real Talk with Bella. This, um, when your story was pitched to me, it's something that I um, wanted to, obviously it's a conversation I wanted to have uh, because, especially because uh, the running conversation in our office, you know, as uh, people who are in the media, uh, is, I, I remember just sitting down a few weeks ago and telling my, my staff, I said, I cannot believe that at 43, I am still struggling with binge eating. And what is this all about? So coincidentally, your pitch came in and I said, oh my God, let's have this conversation so that we can share resources uh, with our listeners because I feel like I am not the only one who is going through this. Um, I would have thought that by now I would have ha gotten a handle on it, uh, but I still struggle and I have no shame in admitting that I need help and support and I have to have conversations around food um, more frequently than I honestly would like to have because I would like for it to just kind of be like, we're eating for health and food and like, we're good and, and that's it. Um, mind you, I've struggled with weight my entire life. I just uh, had a, like a wellness overhaul. I've lost 60 pounds. My husband has lost 62 pounds. So the, conver you know, the clearly food is a conversation we have often. However, I feel like it now controls um, part of my, happiness and and I don't want it to be that way so can you please start by telling us a little bit about yourself I mean you have an incredible resume you have accolades uh, of the, of your own journey and and your expertise so please share with us uh who you are <laughs> I like to um Kimberly Gomer and I'd like to say that uh I always tell my my people that my my nutrition journey started when I was a fetus in my mother's womb. How so? Well, <laughs> mother was pregnant with me. She went to her doctor and said, doctor, I'm gaining too much weight with this pregnancy. And the doctor gave her diet pills. So you should wow. know, this is a while ago, but it's a true story. Yeah. Well, I like to blame my mother that from birth, I felt like I was on a diet, perpetual diet roller coaster, on a diet, off the diet, gain weight, lost weight, gain weight, lost weight, went on a starvation diet, went on a doctor supervised starvation diet. And then I said, okay, I'm about done with this game. Yeah. I need to get to the root of the problem. So I decided to go back and become a registered licensed dietitian because I figured that would give me the answers. Yeah. I did for your degree. And let me just tell you, anybody who thinks it might be cool to be a nutritionist, we have to take all the pre-med classes. It is <laughs> chemistry, it is biochemistry, it is hard. And then I, I went back for two more years to get a master's in nutrition. And in my mind, what my dream was, was to open up a lifestyle practice that I could help people through nutrition uh, get healthy, get off of that abusive diet roller coaster. So in my mind, I felt like, well, when I walk down the graduation and my master's, there's going to be like the Wizard of Oz. And Oz is going to say, here's the magic fairy dust. Yeah. So you can imagine that Oz did not show up at my graduation. But in fact, I did get to where I started. Dieting doesn't work. And uh, I need to help people get off of that situation. So I was at that point living in the Midwest. And I got the opportunity to buy a private practice. So understandably, this was 1998, long time ago. 
it's not like now where you can go online and see a nutritionist and a dietitian. You know, there's more resources that you can imagine. It kind of wasn't there. So I was in a medical building that provided all kinds of private practices, endocrinologists, uh, uh, internal medicine, uh, you know, everybody. So what happened was I got in the building because I wanted all those referrals. And even though I really wanted to practice lifestyle nutrition, I ended up getting cardiovascular diabetes, kids with food allergies. And of course, you know, as life has it, it was the biggest uh, gift because I had 10 years that I really developed a general practice, but I always attracted weight loss because that was my, my thing. So uh, I love that. And then I moved to uh, South Jersey and um, there I was like, okay, what am I gonna do? Not open up a private practice. So to make a long story short, I got a job in research at the University of Pennsylvania in one of their world-renowned weight and eating disorders research groups. Cause of course, you know, I was always attracted to that. Well, I hated it. I'm not a research dietitian. You can't <laughs> even ask somebody how they're feeling. You just gotta okay. do it. Yeah. So at that time I decided, long story short, I'm gonna teach. So I taught nurses, uh, I taught nurses how to eat, you know, nutrition. And then I fell in love, which nothing like love. And we had a very bad Jersey winter and we, <laughs> and we said, we're done. We're going to go yeah. to Florida. So I go to Florida and that's how I landed at Pritikin Longevity Center. So my friend said, you're going to have to get a job at a nursing home or a hospital because there's all, only old people there. I'm like, oh, I hope not. And of course, you know, I, the, the, the universe <laughs> gave me the gift and Pritikin Longevity Center, which is, I don't know if you're familiar with what we do here, but we literally have people check in for a lifestyle transformation. We've got wow. medical experts, psychologists, doctors, uh, exercise physiologists, master chef, and they literally check into a five-star resort and they get a complete overhaul. People see Which I need to check out. <laughs> Totally. From what I'm hearing, from what I'm hearing, I need to go check myself in. <laughs> it's a life experience because yeah. what we do, we take labs. So we yeah. show you that what we do works. So people yeah. come for cholesterol and blood pressure and diabetes. People come because people like you are sick of doing all of this. Yeah, so I yeah. have to tell you that, you know, I've worked, so I had 10 years of experience in private practice and now I'm at Pritikin, December will be 10 years. And this is literally my dream job because I can't show you in my little office what, what we can do, but here you, you live it. And I'm going to bring it back to the whole binge eating situation. Yeah. I want to be, be very clear that there's two different, so to speak, issues. One is a, a diagnosable binge eating disorder, which is very mm -hmm. different from what we call binge eating. So mm -hmm. uh, somebody who is disordered, this is a whole different situation where they, their life has been taken over. It is a very psychological issue. So I'm going to put that on the back burner because I don't think that that's what you're looking for. I think you're really looking for the day-to-day -day -day guy or gal who just does good until they don't, can't stop eating yeah. and they feel like they're binging, right? Before we go into that, though, I would like to share with our listeners some of the uh, statistics that you shared with us, which I feel are uh, very important because I, I don't think, again, I think for me, the biggest aha was, well, it's not just happening to me because to me, this is something that I've been struggling with practically my entire life. I mean, I can remember back to being a teenager and having these episodes, right? So 
to your point, it may be something that is affecting me because I just, I, what I do know is that I go into phases or stages, right? It happens when I'm under a lot of pressure or when I'm under emotional distress or around the time of the month that I just simply give in to the cravings of sugar and, and, and sugar is my, my culprit, right? Like that's where I just, you're not, you're not binging on salmon. I, I get it. Right? Correct. Right. Correct. Correct. Um, but you, you shared with us that um, the most, it is the most common eating disorder. It's affecting two to 5% of American adults uh, who are actually seeking weight control treatments and the prevalence is 30%. So um, it, those numbers I feel are substantial to know that it's not, again, it's not just little old me here in my office. Like it's definitely a great amount of people who are um, struggling, who are suffering. I love the fact that you're pointing out that there is a difference between binge eating and overeating. So, uh, because I feel like we do confuse the two um, and again, conversations that, oh my God, I binged on pizza this weekend, or, uh, you know, maybe you over the person yeah. who binges on pizza does not have two pieces. They eat the whole pizza. So that's Correct. really, maybe two pieces feels like overeating for one person, but for the binger, they'll eat and then they'll feel bad about it and they'll, they'll eat the whole thing. But I have yeah. to tell you that, you know, it's, it's a very interesting, uh, experience to see how things evolve. And the one thing that I think that may help you and a lot of your listeners most mm -hmm. is that to the point of you're not binging on salmon or broccoli, you're probably binging on either sugar or carbohydrates like white flour, et cetera, you know, cookies, crackers, et cetera. But this is where I believe there, there's two things that really are the source for the problem. One is restrictive eating, dieting it really ignites the problem. And the second- Cause you're, cause you're, because you're hungry. <laughs> because, you're, exactly. because you're starving yourself. Correct. 1200 calorie diet, that is- Yes. I was on an 800 calorie diet for nine months. Yeah. I was doctor supervised, I lost 60 pounds, I gained it all back. Of course I did. Yeah. So of that yeah. whole thing of a two-year-old needs 1200 calories. Why would you, an adult, an active woman, put yourself on that. And so this is the problem. The dieting culture that we have encourages it and people then beat themselves up. I don't have control. You're hungry. And the, yeah. the other layer that I think you might find interesting when we talk about statistics is that a hundred million people in the United States have insulin resistance. So that insulin resistant characteristic or I call it personality Many people who think they have binge eat and they are binging, having compulsive eating, more times than not, they're an insulin resistant person. So if huh. you wouldn't mind letting me, can I explain to you about what- Of course, that? please go into it because I feel like that's something that people just don't know because they don't exactly. know, they, they, they just don't know. Yeah. Exactly. So here's what insulin resistance looks like. Yeah. All of us, when we eat, our blood sugars rise. And that's a good thing because our cells need sugar. The problem is when you eat your food, your cells just can't grab sugar from your bloodstream. What happens is when the body senses a rise in blood sugar, it calls out to the pancreas to secrete the hormone insulin. Insulin secreted, it acts like a key that opens up a gate to allow the, the cells to access the sugar. Well, some people who just happen to have that insulin resistant 
personality or characteristic. When the insulin flows, their cells go, uh-uh, I'm going to resist it. And the key gets sticky. And when that happens, the body freaks out. Oh my God, I need sugar. You must not have heard me. So I'm going to call out for more. So here's the problem. Calling out for more, insulin is the hunger hormone. Insulin, when that is coming out and coming out, you get hungrier. So an insulin resistant person will eat one cracker, two crackers and half the box. Because yeah. what will happen is they will actually get hungrier as they eat. After the eating. So they think, exactly. So you have a personality disorder. Yeah, 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 yeah. Disciplined. In fact, you have a physiological issue. And what happens is when that those pancreatic cells are overused, they can dysfunction and die. And when that happens, then you start not having enough insulin. What does insulin do? One major job. Its job is to take your bloodstream and clear it from all the extra sugar so that at a fasting level, you're 65 to 99. So if you go to the doctor and you get a fasting blood test, your glucose, your sugar should be 65 to 99. You're under 65, hypoglycemia, a little low. You're over mm -hmm. 99, doesn't mean, by the way, you're diabetic, doesn't mean you're pre-diabetic, but you're showing insulin resistance. And insulin resistance is always there with diabetes. So anybody who's listening to the podcast yeah. already have a diagnosis of pre-diabetes or diabetes, they're in the crowd. The problem is the other people, all those other millions, they don't know. But insulin yeah. resistance is very specific. We go out to dinner, there's a basket of bread. Start mm -hmm. eating the bread. I will eat the whole basket of bread. I'm very insulin resistant. I'll eat that mm -hmm. whole basket of bread. My $50 salmon dinner that's waiting for me, I don't even think about it. By the time the meal comes, I'm not hungry. My husband, well, he's not insulin resistant. He'll have a piece of bread. He'll go, I don't want to be too full and not be able to eat my, my dinner. I do better having none. Another characteristic of insulin resistance, just so people know, yeah. they say that they feel hungrier if they eat breakfast. So they feel better not eating in the morning. Why? Because they're eating their bowl of Cheerios or cereal or eating their bagel and the insulin starts flowing and they get hungrier. They will respond to sugar and processed starches like it's fuel to get them going. So that yeah, yeah, yeah. overeating, the starving of dieting is a huge problem because let me just tell you, mm -hmm. what does everyone do? They use an app because, you know, mm -hmm. we love an app. The mm -hmm. app is always going to do one thing, deliver a calorie allotment for your day, right? That's the job. So it can mm -hmm. give you feedback and give you support and accountability. Here's the way the app goes. Question one, what's your gender? I'm female. Oh, sorry. You get less calories compared to your male counterpart. Why? Because men have muscle, more muscle than women, testosterone, yeah. et cetera. So yeah. the fact that men have more muscle genetically and could put on muscle easier, the app gives them more calories. You know why? Because muscle is metabolic currency. As a nutritionist, as a dietitian, I'm always asked the question, what can I do? What can I take to make my metabolism work more? My metabolism's not working. Trust me, no supplement's gonna do it. Muscle is key. So, you know, a lot of women, me included, I love cardio and I love the strength training, but that's what we really need. 
So the more muscle okay. in the body, metabolic currency. You want to change your metabolic functioning, go to the gym or do Pilates or whatever. Mm -hmm, whatever. Mm -hmm, okay, mm -hmm. so that's that. Now ask me for my age. Mm -hmm. well, I turned <laughs> 60 yesterday. Happy birthday. Well, happy birthday and you look amazing. <laughs> amazing. So, yeah. sorry, you get less calories than your younger counterparts. Why? Because the app knows that as we get older, we lose muscle and we're generally less active. So already I get less calories. I'm screwed. Okay. Oh, wait. Yeah. Then they ask the magic question. How much weight do you want to lose a week? Four pounds. Of Listen, course. If you think I'm going to put everything into my app and work out like a fiend to lose a pound or two, because guess what? All you can lose in terms of fat, human beings, one to two pounds a week. That's it. You can lose fluid. You mm -hmm. can lose all these other things, but fat, one to two pounds. Okay. But I want to lose four, four. And the app will say to me, but you can't get all the nutrition because the app knows that they're going to have to make my override. And that starts the journey of pretty much under eating. And you do good until you don't. And then you binge. Oh, why am I binging? Because I'm starving. Because you're starving. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> the whole calorie counting experience. It always ends up in two ways. You restrict and that restriction is not sustainable. And then you fall apart. So this beating ourselves up because we aren't doing what we think we should. You know, we, we see this all over the place. Yes, eat a low carb diet. Oh, great. And then you crave carbs. So we need yeah. to find my definition of what's healthy. We need to find something that is in fact healthy. How do we know? Well, we can do blood work. We can see what your cholesterol looks like. We can see what your blood sugar looks like and get the information. Are you insulin resistant? So here at yeah. Critical, we test everyone who walks through our doors for insulin resistance. Do you know that very few of my, and I've worked long time, more than 20 years, I can count on one hand clients that have ever understood insulin resistance or have had a doctor test for it. But yeah. once you test for it, oh, you're kidding me. So yeah, well, because you can't you can't unsee you know what what your body is literally you know made up of or is or what's happening metabolically with your body, which is what happened with me when we, um, and this is all fascinating to me, and I could talk to you for days about all of this just because, um, I'm I'm at my current age, forty three, is when I really have come to terms with, um, the impact that health can really have uh you know i mean i would want to turn 60 and look as fabulous as you look uh because uh but but here's the reality you know with the illnesses that are in my family and i think we don't think in terms of that um for ourselves way too much i mean obviously people who are paying attention do uh i started to pay attention more so because um they didn't do blood work but they actually did dna testing and uh with myself and through my saliva determined that something's going on with my colon uh, and my father passed from colon cancers. And there's a long history of colon cancer in my family and cancer in general, whatever. So we started to pay more attention. The insulin resistance, I'm actually surprised that I haven't gotten diabetes because my mother is a diabetic. My grandparents both were diabetic. My aunt now just recently was diagnosed. Like on my mom's side is diabetes, on my father's side is cancer. Uh, but I've always been very low um, uh, hypoglycemic. So I, 
you know, when I hear you talking I about because hypoglycemia means that something's messed up with your insulin. So what's yeah. happening is you're over-secreting insulin, which is making mm -hmm. blood sugar drop. So the truth is it would be very helpful for you. I mm -hmm. can, you can get that test. It's called insulin. Mm -hmm. Any doctor, it's a blood test. Mm -hmm. can tell you because that information would help you explain why you could potentially be binging. And that yeah. is like a big light. Like this is- yeah. Well, and because, because the binge is on sugar, I feel like I need it. It's not even, it's not even like, oh, it's not even a, it's like, oh my God, my body needs sweet. It yeah. needs sugar. Uh, and it's either through crackers as you might, or Nutella, which is my favorite go-to. Uh, but it, it, that's, I feel like I need it. And I tell my husband, oh my God, I feel better now that I had it, but I feel like crap because I had it. So like, where is this? fine line. So I'm, I'm, I'm interested. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely hitting you up for an appointment. Cause we're, we're local. I heard you say South Jersey. I'm in Marlboro. So we're not that far. I'm, not uh, South Jersey. I'm in Miami now. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I can still make I'll it. Be back home to I'm uh, uh, right, Carol? Uh, uh, I have a director here. He says you can come. I am uh, amazing. <laughs> also say that for when people, when I meet with people, they literally cry because they yeah. think that it's their fault. They think they don't have enough. But that's what I've, they but that is the, power. yeah. Is and that is the fault. point. And people, people will tell me now, you know, congratulations on your health journey. You've lost all this weight. And I will sit there and I feel like a fraud because I don't think people realize the struggle, the challenges that psychologically one endures to get to this place because ultimately I'm like, okay, but then I just had three tablespoons of Nutella and now I have to starve myself the next three days to compensate for those calories that I, and this has been going on for years. Like I can think back on my, you know, teenage years where when it's kind of like started and I started to pay attention to what I ate. And again, I say this because I always love personalizing these conversations so that people can understand like it could happen to anyone. And I know that this conversation, I've had it with my coworkers, I've had it with my colleagues, I've had it with my friends and I see them, I see them walking in with an apple and that's their lunch, right? And it's like, this can't be, you know, I'm like, we're 40, like what is happening? Like what is going on? So because we're doing the same thing, like knocking our heads against the wall, yeah. thinking that somehow if we're a little stricter, we'll be better. So I have yeah. to tell you, I, I know you're going to come to Pritikin because I'm going to track you here. <laughs> you walk in and get that blood work. That's yeah. the thing. You're going to see that we can teach you my number one rule for weight loss. You can't be hungry. We are yeah. done. If you're hungry, I don't care how motivated you are. It never, I have worked here now 10 years. And mm -hmm. so what I do is I work with people when they're here and then I coach them if they want when they leave. So I have worked with people for years. Yeah. The successful people all are doing the same things. They are not starving themselves. They are not hungry, but they understand their physiology. It's not willpower. Do they eat food that's not healthy? Of course they do because they're human, but they figure out. And honestly, really, it's an individual story. Uh, yeah. The reason I love what I do is because I get so much one-on-one -on -one opportunity. It's amazing. Uh, and people, by the way, who come here, you know, it's a, a time investment. It's a, a money investment. So they're 
motivated. Committed and they're committed to it. Yeah. To make a change because they've had it. And this, this problem, and I'm not going to blame the diet industry, but it's a trillion dollar industry. Of course. Unfortunately, as much as I love social media, I'm obsessed with it. It it brings a lot of, of things that are, are not so great into the space. Just yesterday, I I belong to this women's um, mothers group. And just yesterday, a woman there commented, literally, I have a wedding on Saturday. I have three days to fit into this dress. Hit me with your best, you know, solutions. And I'm, and I'm sitting there reading the, and I'm sitting there reading the comments. And I honestly felt awful. I was like, oh my God, literally they're telling her not to eat, like and drink water, like until Saturday. What? What is happening? Yeah, it it was just crazy. But again, these are grown adult women, adult women. And these are the conversations that we're still having. It's actually kind of culturally acceptable. Yeah. This is, again, but I'm telling you, when I say 100 million people in the United States, so just to give you 60 million have cardiovascular disease, number one reason people die, uh, you know, heart attack or stroke. So it's more than that. It's 100 million. People. So understanding that piece of information then gives you the really the tools to say, I'm going to eat for my health. I'm going to eat what works for me. But this under eating, restricting, and overeating, and it is encouraged by a lot of, you know, people because that's yeah. the only role, you know? Yeah. Can you please go into the risks? Um, Because I know that's something that I wanted to discuss. um, The risks and health issues that stem from because I I, again, you're 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 encouraging us to understand our physiology, which is honestly where it all begins. Really, when you understand what your body needs to function, then you give your body what it needs, as opposed to what you and you can work with that, right? Because you understand what is actually going to help you, as opposed to uh, make you sicker or feel. uh, worse, but there are health issues and health risks that come along with binge eating or overeating. And de- I mean, like, can you? Let me, let me tell break- you where they start from. They start mm-hmm. from restricting. Yeah. The biggest health risk isn't that you overate Nutella. I mean, of course, look, you overeat junk food, you can run up your cholesterol, you can run up yeah. your blood sugar. But really, that's not. That's just. That's the. That's not the real. The real deal is. What made you do that? Why are you getting into that cycle? 99% of the time, it starts with dieting. It starts with this going on a calorie counted diet, going on the keto, going on whatever, whatever. And it, it, it brings that, that it, that's what fuels it. So deciding, and by the way, to your point is, why can't we just eat for fuel and eat healthy? Because we live in a world that is surrounded with so much political, unfortunately, and money connected to us eating bad food and yeah. us being addicted to bad food and us being, you know, this is my, across from our hotel, there's a CVS. Mm-hmm. It's not CVS, it's any drugstore. They say, we're going to make you healthy. We're going to give you the tools and people need medication. But when you go in for the medication, there's about 16 rows of literally junk food. We're going to give you medication and then we're going to poison you. It's kind of like if you come someplace and you say, we're going to make you healthy. And uh, let me give you an example. We're going to go out to dinner Mm -hmm. and they're going to say, 
Well, I'd like to take your order. Would you like heroin, methamphetamine, or cocaine? Well, mm-hmm. look at me. You're not <laughs> a restaurant that I know of is going to ask you for that because Correct. we culturally know that if you're asking for drugs, we have a problem. Uh, yeah. People have a problem with alcohol. They'll stay out of bars. That's a problem. But food, food is completely messed up. So yeah. we have to live in a world with a lot of temptation and a lot of food that will make us sick. So cholesterol, it's not just like numbers. You know, again, when people come to Pritikin, some people really get into it. They go for calcium scores and they go for scans and they, they do a lot of, and we have people from eight years old to 80. It's not just old, you know, it's all around. And we really give them as what, you know, what you're alluding to is why are you doing this? Yes, you want to look good. You want to feel good. You want to have energy, but you also want your years as you get older, not to fall into this problem of yeah. health. And, you know, that is an issue when you're young, you think you're invincible. And, you know, do you think that I cared one minute, all that dieting, I had one goal, I wanted to be thin, I wanted to be, yeah. you know, get into the dress. And, you know, yeah. that's not a bad goal. Like we want to be, we want to look the way we look. And I'm never going to say that that's a bad goal. But looking at cardio and, and looking at, you know, you as a person, so not everybody I work with has cardiovascular issues. Some people have, it's amazing. You could weigh 400 pounds, not have diabetes, not have any cholesterol problems. Why not? Because you picked the right parents. Yeah. You have genetics that are you. And that's why we can never do a broad comment that this is how you're going to be. And that's what I really love about what we do that we really individualize it. People come to our program, they get blood work done, they see a doctor, they sit with a doctor for 45 minutes. Yeah. Sit with a doctor when they leave to review and to make a plan. And it's that whole team. We have a psychologist that talks about emotional eating, compulsive eating. We have a we do sleep studies. You know, it's so complicated. Give me somebody who hasn't had sleep pumping themselves up with caffeine and tell them to eat healthy. Well, they're not going to feel good. So of it's really building a foundation and deciding that you're going to get off this quick fix. And it really takes some emotional maturity. It's not age. It's where you are. And honestly, it takes the point where like you're in a beautiful place now because you already lost a lot of your weight. So you can say, you know, unfortunately, when you have the weight to lose, it can be, you can feel very desperate. And yeah, I, yeah, huh? yeah. Well, the what I feel like now, what my, my, I guess my fear, right? Like what's in the back of my head is getting to a place where I don't have to do this all over again. You know, like I, I don't want to have to do this all over again. I just want to be able to, hard, to, main, <laughs> to maintain... To, I want to just be able to maintain it and and freely go to dinner with friends and and not feel like okay I have to detox on Monday or I have to yada 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 because I'm gonna wet gain you know the two three pounds whatever that may look like I just I'm ex- it's exhausting to continue to have those conversations. So let me yeah. just say one of the biggest problems is using the scale as your indicator of how you're doing because when you get on a scale it weighs a few things it weighs fat. It weighs muscle and, and it weighs water. water. Yeah. So if you eat a, if you're on a low carb diet and you eat a bunch of carbs, 
you're going to gain two or three pounds. If you're eating a lot of salt, a lot of white flour, a lot of sugar, it's going to show up on the scale. And it's very upsetting to see that. And that's how you react. So mm -hmm. use scale as your end all and be all is, you know, it really contributes to the addictive personality and the uh, going to all these means. But I believe that how you eat to lose weight needs to resemble how you're going to keep the weight off to a certain extent. Yes, once in a while. See, this is the problem. Back in the day, way back in the day, mm -hmm. people would go to restaurants because it was a special occasion. Yeah. Birthday. People go to restaurants more than they eat at home. Yes. So we have to deal with the world. And, yeah. and, and we have to figure out, and everybody's different. So your lifestyle, what you eat, what your body likes, doesn't like, how much exercise you're doing, how much sleep you're getting, how's your stress, all those things. And let me just point out, why did they make a difference? So the stress hormone called cortisol, Corn. everyone knows about cortisol, you know, mm -hmm. somebody cuts you off and you hit the brakes and you feel that flow, that's cortisol hitting you. And we have a lot of cortisol for a lot of reasons. And one reason is not getting good sleep, wonderful sleep. So let's say you didn't get a good night's sleep for whatever reason, your baby kept you up, you're, you're anxious, whatever. And you get up in the morning, but you still got to go to work. So you drink coffee and you try to push through. Well, you are producing cortisol because you haven't slept because cortisol will help keep you up. And in fact, that will affect insulin. Cortisols produce more insulin. And why do we care? Back to where we are. Insulin is the hunger hormone. And if you're sensitive, you know, we all know somebody who eats junk, doesn't work out, and they got this beautiful skinny butt. Yeah, yes, I do know. They pick the right parents. They yeah. metabolically, because weight loss isn't just calories and out. There's a lot of hormones that are that are around it. And you know, at the scene of the crime is still gonna be the Nutella. I get that. Yeah. But we can, so so for you as just one-on-one -on -one as my client, I would help you figure out how are you going to be able to sustain an eating lifestyle that you're not going to need the binge because you already pointed it out. You yeah. feel like your body needs that sugar because guess what? Somehow you're not getting it. And I yeah. suspect many of the listeners are on a lot of low carb kind of diets. And yeah. I just want to point out that the preferred fuel of your brain is, is carb. It's not protein, it's not fat. So if, you know, Miami, we've got a lot of fancy sports cars in Miami. It's yeah. crazy. People, they are gonna put the best gasoline premium in that yeah. $350,000 car. We are gonna put substandard fuel for our brain. And believe me, as you get older, you want your brain to work great, right? Yeah. So carbs. Second thing is, People, you need carbs to exercise because say I'm going to lift, uh, you know, do a, a, you know, a bicep curl. I'm going to mm -hmm. work really hard. But what makes me able to lift is glycogen, which is starch in my muscles and my liver. Then mm -hmm. the goal is to challenge the muscle. So those little fibers in the muscle tear. And then that's where protein needs to come for repair. So for exercise, fueling it, you need both carbohydrate and protein but a lot of trainers really focus on the protein protein on the protein yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Both. and the, the the really big reason why you need to eat carbs healthy carbs is because you'll crave them every time 
Why doesn't, of course it works. Of course, if you create a deficit, however- Yeah, I, I don't sit around craving a steak as much as I do no. a, sli a, sli a slice of pizza, I have to tell but you. you. Might, but you might crave yeah. a steak if yeah. you were on a vegan raw food diet. Like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the enormity of how the disordered eating practices are promoted because I can tell you I was a sucker for all of them. I've been yeah. this, I've been that. I've know, been I've been everything under the sun I'm also. So I get it. We are warriors, but I pretty much, you know, I'm I've been wrong, but I bet you're insulin resistant. And by the okay. way, number that doesn't it's not a number that stays steady. It can go up and it can come down. And okay. what affects insulin resistant most is belly fat. So when mm -hmm. you, because that's where it kind of lives. If you're susceptible, mm -hmm. as you gain weight, it goes up. That's why it gets harder. You know, why do you think people gets harder and harder as people gain weight? It goes up. So getting rid of the fat, no matter how you do it, will help it. Uh, high fiber diet, yes, and exercise. So all those okay. things will reduce it and then hunger will come down with it. So I kind of call it poking the bear. If you're going to eat five meals a day, you know, a lot of people go on those programs. Yeah terrible for an insulin resistant person because they're hungry all the time. So there yeah. are strategies based on your individual lifestyle, based on your in individual biochemistry, your labs, that really every person, I mean, we have a room full of 40 people. They're going to be on 40 different plans. Yeah. 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 And it's just too difficult. And it's not fair to try to say, I can fix you. And this is how you do it. It's, it's always more. And you know, it's, it's, it's gotta be flexible and it can change. Like that's why yeah. I love that I coach people when they leave here, cause I can help them. Cause it's really a journey and you need support and accountability and you need real science. And you know, Pritikin has been, we're 49 years old. We are an older program. We have a hundred, we have a hundred scientific research studies that we know our formula works. And look, I had a private practice for 10 years. I thought I knew everything. You know, I knew a lot. <laughs> I came to Pritikin. It was like, oh my God. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like getting that information and how you're going to get it. And then being willing to explore and learn and try and fail. And that's okay. Like all your failures, that's why it's in your heart because yeah. you, you should be scared. Do you know yeah. the percentage of people who lose weight and keep it off? It's bad. Yeah. It's bad is because the way they have lost, lost it yeah. is not sustainable for long-term or healthy. So as people get older, those tricks don't work because their health starts to break down. Yeah. I And and, and ultimately, you know, that's where, you know, I, I, I guess someone who is, has gone through a journey like mine or has, you know, that's where the fear lies. And that's what I'm trying to figure out, get under control and, and hopefully sustain it as much as I possibly can to just, again, for health, not so much for appearances. I mean, that helps, but it's not the motivation. The motivation is genuinely being as healthy as I can possibly be. So I can you know, see my kids and grow up and, 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 and all and, of that. And also model that behavior for your children yeah. because your yeah. children will see it. So it's this sustainable, it's not magical and sparkly, but it's real. And um, this idea of how do we really make this a lifestyle? And yes, you do need discipline. And yes, yeah. 
You need to do things that make you uncomfortable. But no, you do not need to starve yourself. Anytime someone starts to feel like they're having a binge, I know they're restricting. Yeah. They're always restricting. What that restriction looks like, it could be not eating in time. It could be not eating what they need to do. But, you know, again, we're going to go back to the number one rules, never being hungry. So kind yeah. of figuring out, and again, everyone's I, different. I kind of like that diet, the never being hungry diet. Doesn't <laughs> it make sense? I, I think that I would love to, yeah, to try that. So where can uh, people connect with you, Dr. Kimberly? I mean, this is a, a fascinating conversation. Um, it's definitely one that I don't think, you know, we could have in, in, in 30, 40 minutes. It's definitely one that, because I feel that people, once people really begin to understand that physio physiology has more to do with it than we actually think, right? And it's more than... Um, and not I know a, that that was deficit, right? It's and, not and a it, flaw. Correct. And it's something that, I mean, and it, it clicked for me because I began to make the food mind connection. And I said, okay, so then I obviously feel better when I eat these things, not so much when I eat these things. So obviously this is, you know, and it obviously makes it easier to select the foods that you're eating, but um, how can we continue to learn more? How can we connect with you, with your center? Uh, so that people, yeah. Totally. The best way is uh, com, And you'll see us all, you'll see our staff, you'll see what we do. And even if people don't come, there's a ton of information all over the place. They can read about and, and really get a lot of support. Um, and um, honestly, uh, you called me a doctor, but I just want to say I don't want to take a credential that I didn't. Sorry, own. no, no, no. But but I'm but sorry, but trust me. But the credentials are. I mean, the credentials are there. I mean, you've done the work and you've done the studies. You've done the research. You've uh, obviously uh, have um, given us an incredible amount of information, which I feel uh, is going to. I mean, I am telling you, you offered the visit. I'm going to take you up. I have family yeah, in Miami, awesome. so I'm yeah, I'm definitely gonna. Make here because here's what I my my own journey is to share as much as I possibly can from what I have learned in my own life with the people who follow us who are in our space because I feel like that's the only way we can truly uh, be of service to other people is to show them you know <laughs> we can do another podcast together we would love to have that yeah I I it's more a Bella TV segment I think we need to show people I think we definitely need to do that um, and we can definitely plan uh, how how to make that happen because I feel even more passionate about this now than I did, did you know, because before it was about fitting into the, the, sure. the jeans. Which is now, okay too. I'm which is fine, 100%, uh, which is great. However, now that I can fit into the jeans, I wanna, I wanna be able to keep fitting, fitting into the jeans, but, mm -hmm. but be healthy and be able to wear the jeans. Cause otherwise if we can't wear the jeans, you know, and I feel like crap every day, then what's the point? So. I truly appreciate your time. Um, and I know that we will follow up with it. I think, again, this is a conversation that we can uh, you know, follow up on in a few more months. I feel like the, this time that we're living in has um, affected how we all eat, how we take care of ourselves. And I feel like people who were leery of paying attention before are doing more so now because we have to. I think we've been forced 
right? To really pay attention to our bodies and listen and, to, and really take care of it because we've seen that our lives can change in a day, you know, uh, with everything that and how it affects our immunity and everything. So again, thank you so much for your time. I truly appreciate it. I can't wait to see you.